Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the star from The Holdovers, Paul Giamatti, followed by Daniel Howitt's interview with two of the other stars from The Holdovers, Divine Joy Randolph and Dominic Sessa. Concluding with my interview with the film's editor, Kevin Tent. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I heard you got stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on us. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention. Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer. My father's to take you dead. Up. Hi, Paul. How are you today? I'm fine, Matt. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with me about it. My you. pleasure. Yeah, I mean... We are such massive fans of this movie and of your performance in it. And I'm just really, really happy to see that it seems it's not just a small pocket of people. Audiences all over are really appreciating this film. It seems like it. It makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, You know, an interesting thing, too, is that I keep hearing from people that all ages are enjoying it. Yes. Like young people, old people, middle aged people. I'm like, that's. That's great, but I guess it's because it's sort of the three stages of life you see in this movie. You see a young person, middle-aged person, and an older person. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a new holiday classic, let's say. Very good. What was it like for you when it first premiered? Uh, because obviously the strike was going on. Uh, what, what was that experience like, just knowing that there was this film that was out there in the world, but yeah. you, you guys couldn't be out there for it? Oh, it was It was a curious experience. I found myself, you know, I mean, it was necessary to be on strike, but it was an odd experience. I was really looking forward to talking about this movie because I like it so much. Mm-hmm. So it was somewhat frustrating, actually. I mean, it was a little frustrating to be sidelined. But then, actually, I really sort of loved the fact that it was a lot of the kind of production people. There was the editor was out there talking about it, and the costume designer was out there talking about it, and 
Alexander and the writer. And that was kind of nice, actually, in a way, to see those people getting to sort of talk about it was really nice. Yeah. And we've talked with uh, a number of them and everyone seems to agree that this was a very joyous project to work on. Where would you say for you personally, it ranks uh, like within your career? Because coming together with Payne after working with him on Sideways, a film that is beloved by so many people, did that have a special connection for you? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a huge thing. Look, I never thought I would get to work with this guy once and then to get to work with this guy twice and to create another movie that I have a feeling is one people are going to remember for years. That's a gift. I mean, that doesn't happen very much. Sure. For for actors. I mean, you maybe get one thing like that in your career, maybe if you're lucky. But this is two things that were were indeed a real joy to make. I mean, pure pleasure. They rank the highest of things I've done. So what would you say from the time back in the early 2000s when you first worked with them to today in the uh, early 2020s, uh, pretty much 20 years later, what would you say has changed uh, both for you and with your working relationship with Payne? Well, that's an interesting question. I think I mean, so much, so much has happened. You know, so much of life has happened. And right. so much up and down of personal life and things like that. And, you know, you feel, I feel more relaxed than I certainly did back then. I feel much more, you know, not sort of complacent about anything, but I feel more relaxed. And, and I think he probably does too. And he's, he, you know, I would go, I, I, I dare say that he seems a little bit more mellow than he used to. He's mellowed a little bit. Not that he wasn't a mellow person anyway, but there's something that's kind of, he's had a kid. He's got a lovely little kid. And I think that's kind of made him even more sort of, it's enhanced his, the compassion and sort of gentleness that's already there. And so I think he, we both have mellowed out a lot, I think. I mean, I was really nervous back when I made that movie 20 years ago, you know, about kind of everything. And I sort of felt generally uncomfortable in life in a lot of ways. And things have changed and my life has changed and I feel a bit more, a bit more grounded in life. Yeah. And I would say that comes through in the performance too, as you're being this mentor for Dominic Sessa's character, Agnes Tully. But can you tell me a little mm. bit about off screen, what that mentor relationship was like as well? Because he is outstanding in his debut performance here. Outstanding. He's never done anything before. You know, I, he didn't, I don't feel he needed a lot of mentoring but, you know, yes, it somewhat mimicked the experience on screen. I mean, I liked him to begin with, but I only came to like him more and more and more as we went on. You know, he's a he's a he's a really lovely person. I like him as a person so much. He's really smart. He's really sensitive. He's really friendly. He's kind. He's a decent, decent guy. He really is. And I think he appreciated what was happening around him. He wasn't taking anything for granted. And the freshness of somebody coming to this thing for the first time made me slow down a little bit. In some ways, it felt like I was being reeducated about something, you know? I was yeah. sort of slowing down and taking my time and appreciating things a little bit more because of the, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And I can be, I can be a very professional guy. He's professional too, but I can be very sort of, you know, I'm, I'm well-trained. 
you know, I've trained <laughs> and something of his freshness and thoughtfulness was really nice to be around because it really kind of slowed me down sometimes and, and made me just more thoughtful and, and appreciate things again. So if that freshness makes you slow down, then what does Divine Joy Randolph bring out of you, uh, seeing as how she has more experience, both with yeah. comedy, drama? She and I are are in some strange ways very similar people. Uh-huh. We have a similar <laughs> way of working. We have a similar way of we have a similar sensibility. I like to I, I love and you might be surprised to hear that I believe in astrology. We're both Gemini's. So mm. I think there's something going on there. But I, I think she she and I have a there's a similar sort of sensibility about things and she just was there was no it was just utterly easy to work with her. We never she's one of these people that's remarkable. You never have to talk about a thing. We never talked about anything. It's all just we just let it happen. And you just sat there and let it happen. And she's just, you know, she's incredibly at ease and flexible and incredibly. And yeah, she can do it all. So, you know, you just feel completely, completely at ease. Yeah, I mentioned them and I I, because I feel like it's a disservice to not mention them because the three of you. Oh, God, yeah. The the chemistry is amazing. It's three parts of one unit. I mean, it's a family. It's not it's an it's a genuine ensemble. It's genuinely three people working together. No, my God, no, you have to mention them. Absolutely. Um, and in terms of your character, though, uh, I, I first of all, I need to ask this question. Do you know either from conversations with Alexander or have you just made up your mind yourself as to which eye is indeed the correct one? <laughs> which one do I point at? I can't remember which one I point at in the end. Is it my right eye? See, the problem is whichever one it was that you point at when he <laughs> walks away in the next shot, it cuts to the wrong. It, it's the, the eye is flipped. <laughs> Well, we worked a little trickery with that, and I think I, we did a lot of trickery with it to, to sort of keep it off balance. But I believe I point to my right eye in the end. I can't even remember. So that's the one. That's the one that you're meant to look at. But All I don't right. even know what that means, that that's the one you should look at. Is that the one that isn't affected by the condition? I don't know. I mean, I guess so. Yeah. Well, I think either way, it's it, you know, it's just tying into the themes of the film about perception of others. Yeah. How we shouldn't necessarily yeah. uh, write somebody off or have our own preconceived notions of them before we get to know them. Absolutely, I think that's very true, and uh, uh, throughout the movie, and I think, in a way, in an interesting way, very deliberately, at the top of the movie, you're getting, you think you know what you're getting with these people, all three of them. Yeah. You think you know what these people are going to be. It's not It's not that they're types exactly, but we're familiar. And we go, oh, right, there's that guy, there's that kid, there's that woman. We know who those people are in this world. But and, and, and the audience, hopefully, along with them, begin to see differences and, 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 and more humanity and shades and angles of the people that are unforeseen. Now, was the decision for Paul to be a drinker something that was influenced by your collaboration with pain from sideways, or was that always in the original script? <laughs> that was just, that was just in the script. And I think for both Mary too. I mean, I just think that was in the script that they drink. I think it's, it's partially, it's the period, I think. And it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's Frank and partially, I think it's the, it's the, those academic settings, that kind of, you know, those sorts of, hallowed halls of those kinds of places there's a lot of sort of you know drinking going on you know i mean i think it's a bit of a thing so 
well, if there's ever a third film with uh, pain, we need to complete the trilogy of you playing a character <laughs> who drinks alcohol. Who <laughs> drinks a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason throughout my working life, I've had to play a lot of people who drink a lot. On stage, I've played a lot of guys who drink too much. I don't know why, but I have. Now, you have been both a leading man as you are here, even though, yes, I admit, mm. great ensemble work across the board. Yeah. But also, too, you've been a key supporting player where every time I see you in a film, no matter what it is, a big film, a small film, I instantly go, that man's going to elevate every moment he's on screen. Okay. Which mode do you prefer to be in? Well, I mean, as you say, it's like the leading things I've done tend to feel like they're the central characters of an ensemble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know that I've ever had that real experience of being the leading man carrying the whole thing. So I don't know. But I mean, I think in some ways, the, the supporting things are interesting to me. They tend to be, I mean, this is a very colorful character, but yeah, you know, they, they tend to be, they tend to vary some more and, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes it's hard to say. I, I enjoy them both. There's a lot more responsibility that comes with playing the lead, and I think I'm not crazy about that. I'm not. I'm. I'm a lazy person. I don't want more responsibility. <laughs> sure. So it's like you know, and it, there's a certain amount of being a kind of team captain that comes with that, which is great, you know. But it's like it, it's a kind of whole other job that comes with being the lead that that can feel a little bit some not onerous, but it's another thing you have to do, you know. Yeah. And it's great. And especially on something like the movies I've gotten to do it on. They're wonderful, intimate sort of experiences anyway. So it's nice. I, you know, I don't know. But supporting stuff is great. I think sometimes I enjoy the task of being a little bit more kind of, you know, you come in and it's a little bit like Blitzkrieg. You know, you come in, you hit the thing and you're out, you know, and it's kind of fun to come in and. And then energetically, it's sort of interesting rather than having to spread yourself out over a longer period of time. Sure. I've always said it's like it's like body chemistry. It's like a, a distance and a sprinter athlete, you know, and I might be a little bit more of a sprint athlete, actually, than I am a distance guy. So and sometimes I think it suits me a little bit better. Well, in whatever capacity it is, that energy is certainly always appreciated when it's on screen. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. As of uh, this recording, you're currently Golden Globe and Critics' Choice nominated for your performance in this. You recently won the National Board of Review for Best Actor. At this point in your career, what does it mean when, you know, all these wins and nominations, like, start happening? How, how does it feel compared to 20 years ago? And you, you won a Golden Globe in between as well. Like, like what, what does it all mean to you? What does it mean at this point getting acknowledgments like that? It's always nice. I mean, you know, you can't deny that it's always a nice thing. Mm -hmm. um, again, I think when you're younger, it's a little bit more kind of disorientating. It's not like I'm used to it or something. It's nice. You know, it's nice to be acknowledged. No, I have no, I'm, I have no expectations of things panning out or whatever, or winning things, you know, but it's nice. It's nice to be acknowledged. I feel really nice that the movie gets acknowledged that way too, you know, and I feel like it's, it's, I really like this movie. I'm really proud of collaborating with him and with everybody involved in it. So it's wonderful for it to get acknowledged. It would be great if it wins all kinds of things, you know, I think I'm less, 
I'm just, it's when you're younger and it starts to happen. I mean, I certainly wasn't prepared for any of that stuff when I was younger. You know, I'm a little bit more prepared for it now. So it's yeah. like I can be a little bit more circumspect about it now in a real way and feel, feel good about it and not feel anxious about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm getting old and that's a good thing in a lot of ways. I like yeah. it. You know what I mean? And it's like, so, and it's, it's lovely. It's really nice, but I don't, I comfortably don't put a ton of stock in it. Well, I'm glad to hear that because a lot of us have put 20 years worth of stock of getting you that makeup best actor nomination for Sideways. So <laughs> from my point of view, I really hope it happens for you. Truly, like okay. genuinely. Well, I appreciate that. And I really appreciate that. It means it's very nice to hear. Thank you. Absolutely. When you look back on your experience with the holdovers in general, what would you say is the one thing from the experience overall that you'll take with you on the next journey in your career? Oh, man. I hope that I can sort of carry over and continue to carry over the kind of, you know, he puts you in this place of intimacy and warmth. And I feel like if I can always carry that over to everything I do, if I can just keep perpetuating that feeling in other venues, that's great. Yeah. You know, I mean, the experience of working with him is so special. It really is. And he makes you feel special. And I just I, I just hope I can continue to carry that sort of feeling with me when I go work on other things, you know, and that it just puts the spirit that he has into other things, too, because he's got a lovely spirit and the people he works with, you know, and it, and it could all it can always be that way. So hopefully I can bring a little bit of that to everything I do. And it helps. Well, I think that's definitely been reciprocated and also uh commented upon other times in between uh, these last 20 years, as I've heard a lot of people comment on your generosity as an actor and that warmth as well. So keep doing what you're doing, obviously. Uh, We appreciate you. And we are wishing you nothing but the best as we go through the rest of this award season. And I really hope for those that are listening, they do check out the holdovers over the holidays because it's the perfect holiday movie. Yes. Yes, it is. It's a it's a genuine Christmas movie. It genuinely gets into the Christmas spirit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time here once again. I really, really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it so much, too. Thanks, man. Take care. You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him. What's wrong with you? There's nobody here. Okay. you stay out of my way and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep Now most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past. It is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. (laughs) Well, Davine and Dominic, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. Uh, The Holdovers is absolutely one of my favorite movies of the year, and you're both so incredible in it. Uh, So I'm really excited to hear more about the making of the movie. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. So uh, I understand you both arrived to this film in in very different ways. So, uh, David, let's start with you. Were you a fan of Alexander Payne before you got the call? Yes, but unbeknownst. 
I knew that I liked Sideways and Descendants. I didn't put two and two together that that was Alexander Payne. So when we had our first meeting uh, and he, we were talking and I was like, okay, cool. I was like, so yeah, do you have any stuff that you think I should like watch or see? And he was like, nah, it's cool. And I was like, no, no, really? Like, it's important to me. I want to know who I'm working with and what your style and stuff is. And so he was like, I mean... I did this movie called Election. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't see that. And he was like, and I did this thing called Sideways. And I was like, isn't that where that Paul Giamatti guy is, like, getting drunk for the whole movie? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, he's like, oh, and then I did Descendants. I was like, yeah, when George Clooney's, like, sad because his wife's dying. He's, like, running down the hill in flip-flops. Like, bastardized summarations of this uh, movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like your stuff. Okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, I, I knew him, but I didn't know he was the man behind those movies. Amazing. Was this an audition process for you, or did you get the script? And, and No, yeah. So uh, uh, what, we found, what I found out last night was um, it was about, I guess he had always, th- uh, though it was not written for me, he had always envisioned, I guess, uh, me to be the person to do it. And you know how the industry and Hollywood and casting is. And they were like, great, let's give you 30 famous people to do it. Uh, and I guess it, it wasn't hitting for him. Um, and so uh, he reached out. I, I had no idea about any of this stuff. I literally found this out last night. And so um, I... Had a call with him. We had a director's chat, uh, like, you know, a director's session with no script. And he just kind of describing to me who the character was. And then he was like, I'm going to give you a script, you know, give it a read. Let me know your thoughts. And then I read it. And then we had a follow-up. I think in that follow-up, I may have read, read a scene with him. But that was that was it. Um, and then he was like, I mean, it works for me if it works for you. And I remember being like, yes, but... You got to let me cook for real. Um, and that was my only deal breaker. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I definitely want to ask you more about that. Uh, but I do want to hear, Dominic, uh, it sounds like you landing this role was kind of like fate, you know? Um, uh, I understand you were attending one of the schools that was used for filming, um, which landed you the audition. Tell me, Tell me what that whole process was like for you. Yeah, the I guess the stars definitely aligned in, in the perfect way for for me to be a part of this project. But yeah, like you said, I was at uh, Deerfield Academy. It's one of the schools that was used in the film. Um, and uh, the casting people were, were coming through as well, just to maybe find some some background actors. Uh, but you know, unbeknownst to me, they were still up in the air about who was going to be playing this this main student in the film. Uh, and when they met me the first time they they said they were actually interested in me playing a role that was you know bigger than background and like the, the speaking role um i didn't know how big or anything like that but that's kind of that's kind of what they left it at um and then a couple weeks later i got a phone call from from, from alexander payne and uh, he called me and was, you know uh, hi dominic nice to meet you it's alexander really liked your tapes and i'm gonna be coming to deerfield to meet you and I was just, you know, didn't really know what to think about that. I was, like, excited to be able to meet a, a real Hollywood director for the first time. Um, and then I met him. Uh, he came to audition me. I 
didn't wasn't really sure how it went because I don't you know never been an audition I didn't really know how to read a room or anything like that um, but they just they just kept me in the loop and they kept me in the conversation and a couple months went by um, and I got to meet Paul and, and, and test uh, some 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 sides with him um, and that all just just went really well and we hit it off and finally got to be a part of it and, and work with with Paul and Devon for a couple months which was you know a masterclass. You know, this is your first film, right? So did the nerves, uh, when did those start to settle for you at, at any point in the production? Is there a moment where you f- kind of can pinpoint, oh, this is when I started to get more comfortable? I think, immediately, I mean, as soon as we started, like, I mean, uh, Divine and Paul both came in early on, like, to, to do some read-throughs in the production office. And I just remember, you know, meeting them for the first time and you know i had no idea who these two were who they were what they were going to be like uh, as people um obviously i was familiar with their, their talents on screen and on stage but to have them come in and be open themselves up to me as, as a new person and and you know give them full selves to me that their energy all of that um just made it so comfortable and, and seamless to go and in, to go into a scene with them i think you know beyond just their talent, they're, they're masters because they, they can bring incredible performances out of out of actors like myself. Amazing. Uh, one yeah. thing I just want to make note of, uh, two things that I just think is really cool. Number one, we came, I don't know, I think we set up on three weeks last night. We came three weeks early. Um, and in that time, we had table read and text analysis. That is rare. And mm-hmm. so in that time, we were going through the script because a lot of people have been asking about, like, was there improv? Was there not improv? And the answer to that question is essentially yes and no. And what we did was during the time that we worked on said script, that was when we were like, does this work? Does this make sense? Do we want to say something else? So the alts and changes that we made, we collectively made as one unit together um, and then we were off to the races. And then the other thing I just want to make note, while we were doing the text analysis and working through the material, this young man was already off book. And I would come home every night and be like, shit, I need to get off book. He's off book. I'm not off book. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I, no, I, I say this to say I was highly impressed that, and not only was he off book, but like, he was already, you could tell he had already put in a good amount of work. And I was in that time, for me personally, I was beginning to get to know him as an artist, as an actor, and seeing his sensibilities and his personality and how he endowed this character. And it was really beautiful to watch. And I will applaud him in that. I've worked with some pretty big name people who, from the first day to the last day, it's the same set performance. And he never once did that. If Alex said, well, no, let's try it this way. He did it that way. If if we were like, would you be okay if we did it this way? He was like, yeah, sure, no problem. That's amazing because I know grown people who have been in this industry for decades, legends in which I will not name their names, <laughs> and they do not have that ability. They don't. So there's something very natural and innate um, that if he should choose to do this moving forward, 
he he already has all the all the gems there. I was highly impressed by that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's amazing. Yeah. And also just, I'll just add quickly to that. I think in those first couple of weeks where we were reading and stuff, um, just watching Divine's ability to to make choices for her character really inspired me because obviously I knew Paul was going to be playing Mr. Hunnam, but I didn't know who was, who was playing the character of Mary um, in, until I really got cast. Um, so to see her come in and really take ownership of this character and make choices at every turn. Like we say, like, you know, there was some adjustments made in the script here and there, and she's willing to throw things out there and and put her own, um, just ownership over the part, uh, inspired me to kind of move forward in the same way. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to ask about some of those choices for both of you. Um, uh, divine you, you know, Paul and Angus spend so much of the film, uh, at each other's throats a, a lot of time and, and throwing lofty insults at each other. Um, but Mary is very different and you approach her with this softness um, that, that's, that's a distinct difference from the two of them. Tell me about some of those choices about how you built this character for yourself. Hmm. Well, I'll say one thing. I do know that Mary enjoyed it, meaning even in their fraughtness, she enjoyed it. She, she enjoyed the banter, the liveliness that was around her, uh, it made her feel good. Um, in regards to how I went about creating this character, I mean, this character is based off of many different people in my life, um, many women in history, um, and just the average, you know what I mean, single mom, black woman. Um, I think the softness comes from more of a stylized, not stylized, more of a, a trait that is common within that period. You know what I mean? Women in the sixties and seventies by nature, they're still coming straight out of the fifties. So there is that femininity and that softness there, you know? Um, And that um, they're just now starting to feel a sense of their rights and stuff like that. So I think her rebellious streak, if you will, would be the smoking of cigarettes, the, the drinking out of the bottle or uh, she does it sometimes out of her cute little cup, you know what I mean? Her little teacup and the cursing, the cursing was very liberating. I feel like for her. And so, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just, I felt my way around. I felt my way around and I felt my way around amongst these two gentlemen of, because I feel like, in an ensemble situation, they equally inform you and let you know as well who your character is. It's not, and I and I lean into that. I don't, I do my homework at home in advance. And when it's time for us to work, I'm just like, okay, what what is what are we doing? When they say action, I just feel the room. And whatever it's meant to be, it will be. I don't like to. And it was something that's why I was so excited to work with Dominic was what we said earlier of 
he's not free to make his decisions. You know what I mean? So we really could let the peace just live and breathe. And I would say the pace in which you watch this movie is the pace in which we shot it. It was slow. It was quiet. And it was deliberate and meticulous. Um, and very, very intimate. Now that I think about it, Dominic, we were always filming in empty, barren buildings. That, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, no Cold one, ones, too. <laughs> cold ones with little to no heat. Or then they're like, oh, we got to turn the heater off because it's a real heater and it's making these loud banging noises. <laughs> and you flush the toilet and the pipes are like, gong, 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 gong. And you're like, yeah, everybody totally. knows how to eat. Jesus. But, um... Yeah, no, it was very, very quiet. Those, at least for me, those three, four months in general, even we were in Boston, but we spent most of our time like an hour outside of Boston. It's very quiet. It's very like suburban slash rural, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, it's snowing and it's winter. So it was, we were living in the given circumstances for sure of the movie. Totally. It felt very much like, it almost felt like making it, you know, obviously much higher level professionalism, but in a sense, like a student film where you're with your friends and yep. there's this, this sense of just comfortability with everybody and you're just, you're having fun. You're not really working for lack of a better word. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're just enjoying creating with other people. So it's really, really such a comfortable and uh, uh, encouraging setting. Mm. Yeah. Dominic, tell me more about how you developed uh, your approach to Angus and where you found the, you know, he's, he's a very challenging, like he, he doesn't stand down uh, when it comes to Paul, especially and Mary as well. Um, how did you find no. the ability to go head to head with divine and Paul? Yeah. I mean, I think the challenging part about Angus and, you know, but a, a welcoming challenge that you want as an actor is someone who isn't instantly, you know, likable or someone that you instantly want to, you know, care for necessarily. I mean, you see his 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 bombastic behavior in a lot of ways is a mischievousness, but and also just the, the environment he's in. He's he's in this this boarding school environment where you know it's this elite education. These kids are highly privileged and. Um, you know, especially being with the, the Vietnam War going on at the time, it's like for a lot of these kids, being having this privilege saves saves their lives. You know, so it's it's hard to immediately feel like oh, we need to feel bad for this kid. He's, he's from an outsider's perspective, kind of has um, everything at his fingertips. You know, uh, but really, it was a matter of understanding what his his childhood probably looked like what that relationship and defining specifically what yeah what his backstory was because i mean you do there are things revealed uh, some specifics revealed from him about his life but you don't necessarily get the full picture you just understand that there is something that separates him from the majority of the kids he's surrounded by and even with you know with his relationship his ability to form these relationships with um mary and and mr hunnam you know you can you get the idea that you know mary probably has never talked to a student like this as much as this um Mm -mm. you know or has been he's even been approached by a student and cared for by a student like this so i think he, he he's interesting in that he has this acute emotional awareness not only for himself as a young person but also for these people that have had these extensive uh tragic life histories 
Mm. Um, well, uh, Divine, I have to ask you about what you brought up, the cooking. Tell me more about the cooking. Uh, that, yeah. was, that, that was like a stipulation to, to signing on. Tell me more about that. Yes. <laughs> I am serious. I said, she cooks. You got to let me really cook. I said, so please talk to props now and get everything together <laughs> so that I can um, really cook. Um, and so he was like, well, what are you going to make for Christmas dinner? I said, great, we're having. And I went and rattled off this menu and showed up on the day. It showed up. I mean, they added more stuff, too, that was like period kind of dishes as well. But <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, like. In the, in the movie, I made soup. I made a big pot of oatmeal that really tired my arms out because as it's cooking, it thickens, you know? So I was like, I don't know about cooking today. Um, <laughs> I made I made a roasted chicken. I uh, There's a scene where Paul is helping me. The, the the role, not the character. I mean, the actor, um, where he's helping me prep. And so I'm chopping up onions, mushrooms, garlic, celery, carrots, getting everything going, the herbs going um, for like my prep for um, the, the Christmas dinner. But it was a blast. It was actually the ladies who did... Um, Julia, the series Julia, the HBO series Julia, they were they had just finished it at that time, and it was two ladies from that show, um, and we just had a blast and sharing recipes and stuff like that in the back. Um, but no, it was a it was a great, 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 great time. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, well, I spoke to uh, your writer David, and he talked uh, about how Alexander really took him on this like '70s film school journey in the prep of making this. Did did he do the same for you guys? Uh, personally, yeah. I mean, he he because I wasn't really a big movie watcher at all. Um, just generally, not even just old movies, just at all. Uh, he definitely made an effort to show me a lot of the films that, you know, I definitely otherwise wouldn't have thought of myself um, and introduced me to these directors who uh, cr created these these movies that he was maybe trying to emulate in some ways with, with what we made here and, and draw inspiration from. Um, he also just like talked in movies a lot. He, he would reference a lot of movies that I had never mm -hmm. heard of or never really, yeah, just, just to know anything about. So um, just having him constantly do that, you, you kind of pick up on it and get some good recommendations just by co collateral, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, that's just about my time. So I, I wish I could talk longer. Um, but before I let you go, uh, Divine, I, I couldn't I couldn't let you go without uh, talking about one of my favorite series of the last decade, High Fidelity. What? High uh, Fidelity. And, and I'm still not over it. Gives me only murders. So you surprised <laughs> me with High Fidelity. You know, I, I, I respect that. that. <laughs> yeah, no, High Fidelity. I'm still not over it being canceled. I'm so upset. I don't know if you wanted to take this opportunity to like throw any executives under the bus, like call anybody out or like. <laughs> you guys cracked me up. <laughs> no, I think it was honestly, I, I truly don't know the minutia and all the details of it, but I really think it was the pandemic. We literally uh, aired on uh, Valentine's Day and two weeks later, the world shut down. So, yeah. Uh, mm, mm. Yeah. and it was expensive, you know, to film in New York, 
uh, summer or not, but to block off a block in New York is a leto money, as well as we were um, playing music by very famous people, and that's expensive. So it was an expensive show to do, um, but I love that character so much. Um, I mean, Zoe and I have had conversations about figuring out if there's a way that we could figure it out, whether it would be uh one and done last wrap up button to a season uh or a movie we've definitely discussed it before so i don't know um but i it's it definitely was a very special experience for me and one that i really love and revere so i really appreciate that you also enjoyed it that means a lot absolutely absolutely did well divine and dominic again thank you so much i appreciate your time and really really appreciate the movie itself thank you so much thank you thank you I'd like to propose a toast to my two unlikely companions. Are you trying to lift down my shirt? No. <laughs> yes. You're going to get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross the Rubicon. The Holdovers. One, I am being joined right now by the film editor for the latest film from Alexander Payne, The Holdovers, Kevin Tent. Kevin, how are you today? I'm good, Matthew. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I'm really, really happy with the trajectory of this film so far and the life that it has had since its world premiere at the Telluride Film Festival earlier this year. Um, it's a movie that is making people laugh. It's making them feel great feelings during the holiday season. Uh, but the really cool thing about it, ultimately, I think, is how much of a throwback it is to films that we love and appreciate from, you know, the 70s and just a, a time when, you know, we don't really see this kind of style of film being made so much today. Uh, it's a, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think it's kind of refreshing and I think it shows that people are hungry for a film like this. And I also got to say the fine folks at Focus, I think, are doing a terrific job on its release and all that stuff, too. Not just because they're on the line right now, but but I really do think they are doing a great job. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's uh, it's slightly different than what we're used to. And I think that people are hungry for that and they're and they're embracing it, which is fantastic. Now, I actually went back recently and I uh, rewatched a couple of different Alexander Payne films. I rewatched Sideways. I, I rewatched The Descendants, Nebraska. You have worked on all of those, plus Downsizing, Election, Citizen Roof, um, I believe, uh, about Schmidt as well. I mean, you've had yeah. such a close collaboration with Payne over the years. Right. And one thing that I noticed in a lot of his work is that the editing style is – I understand for the holdovers, there's a very specific 1970s aesthetic throughout the entire film. But I feel like right. the style of editing that you guys have uh, utilized in his films consistently has always kind of harkened back to that era in its own way. There's uh, wipes and fades and, you know, all different types of techniques throughout. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, that's great. Uh, great perspective. In fact, um, Alexander, we talked about this at one of the Q&As and Alexander said, he like came to the realization right there at that moment. He was like, you know what? I guess we've always been making films that were like felt like in the seventies. Yeah, and we I think that's true. They're all driven, and uh, and we use editorial tricks that we were used to and that we like dissolves and wipes and yeah. 
uh, we we started in film. Citizen Ruth was cut on film, and we did AB dissolves on that film, which were done in the lab. We never saw them till we got to the lab that we had on the work print and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, we've always been kind of done that. We've always kind of been in that kind of mode. So what then separated this in some way, would you say, from the previous collaborations? Or would you say it really has been, like you said, kind of like just consistent in that mode? I think it's been consistent. I mean, I think we pushed, maybe we did a few more things that we wouldn't normally have done. I don't, I wouldn't even say normally, but um, that we didn't, haven't done before some really long dissolves, but actually we have done those before, right? Mm -hmm. But we really milked, you know, milked them, or we really lengthened a lot of them to, in a couple of spots. And we used a lot of dissolved sequences, which are fun and they're beautiful. And we've, We've always done them, but we probably did a few more in this film than we have in other films. So what does a dissolve achieve for you as a storyteller? And what like subliminal effect does it have on an audience versus, say, just a hard cut? Well, sometimes a hard cut's super effective. And of course, we always do those, you know, with you know banging into something to kind of wake the audience up. But it dissolves, I think, first of all, are beautiful to look at. They can be if you really get one designed or if you can make one up in the cutting room that looks really gorgeous and you get you get multiple images at once which is kind of a nice thing for the audience i think it it creates a um a feeling for them a dreamy feeling in some ways you know and they also they do all the practical things they show time passage they you know that's probably one of the most important things they do um but yeah mostly i think they just kind of are beautiful to look at yeah when they're happening one of the things I really appreciated about this film, and I said this when I initially saw it, was how the length of the film, although it's not necessarily a long film, there is a great sense of measured pacing to it that allows for the characters to organically develop. Nothing feels rushed and everything feels very natural throughout as we learn more about them. So can you talk to me a little bit about just setting the pace of the film and what Alexander wanted uh, with that? Yeah, that's a great, you're so good. You're really perceptive. That's so good. That's so well put. Yeah, so every film sort of dictates its own pace and rhythm and stuff like that as you're working on it. But we were always cognizant of keeping it moving without, you know, cutting things and making it move so fast that we lost some of the great character stuff that's in there. So it's like, it's kind of a constant um, battle that's going on, not not between Alexander and I, but between us and the film I would say of always trying to keep it moving, but uh, you know, not lose any good stuff. And I think we got to a good good place on the holdovers. There's a few different where we could have maybe tightened it up a little bit more here or there, but but uh, for the most part, I think we get to a good good place with me pushing him and him resisting and saying no, we should let this breathe and that kind of thing. The other thing, too, about that in many ways is um, perspective, too, because there are points in this film where we're following uh, Paul's perspective, and then there are points in this film where we're following uh, Tully's perspective as well. So without, like, losing the audience in terms of, like, like, whose story it is to tell, how do you find those moments of when to hop back and forth between whose uh, perspective we're seeing a scene through? The script? Mm-hmm. And then as as editor and as uh, Alexander as a director, I guess we're just uh, aware of trying to make sure the transitions between changing perspectives are not jarring and kind of subtle and, and not noticeable. So the audience doesn't really 
realize the change in perspective, let's say, but right. uh, but they're they're going along with it. So that's that's one of the things I think all editors and all filmmakers are striving to do. But uh, but hopefully we're successful in this one, which means just taking some time on transitions and giving beats and stuff like that. But uh, but yeah, that's I'm glad you noticed that too. Yeah. Was there anything in the cutting room floor that you regret taking out of the film or was everything that you guys wanted made it in there? I have no regrets about anything that we lost. And I don't think it, I, this came, this question came up in a, a Q&A with Alexander, too, and, and he, he agreed. So, you know, we lost we lost internally within scenes. We lost lines and beats and things like that. And I don't miss any of that, that kind of thing. And the, the few scenes we lost, I can't remember how many. No, I don't think. I don't think anything is, you know, was so bad. If it was really that valuable and really was critical to the story in the movie, we would have kept it in. But, uh, you know, I think we got to a good spot with it. Yeah, it makes sense for sure. What was your rough assembly cut when you uh, Uh, first? Yeah. When you first felt like you, okay, like this is the first cut that we got together here. So my first editor's cut, you know, I don't remember, but I bet it was like 240 or 245, something like that. So we probably lost. Okay. I lost 30, 40 minutes, I would say, mm-hmm. I think probably out of it. So, but you know, there were, there were a lot of, they shot tons for the driving montages. We, we always knew we were going to hone it down to a, you know, a shorter period of time. But when they, when you're putting your editor's assembly together, you kind of throw in everything so that at least Alexander can see it once before you start taking things away. So, yeah, I think it was probably, I, I can check with Mindy or, associate editor editor and see what she if she remembers but i'm sorry i don't remember that no that's okay i'm always just fascinated by you know what uh what people started off with and then what the final result ended up being and in part with that i'm also curious to know when there's a lot of i feel like music for this is very very important did you have those tracks already in mind when you were editing these scenes or did you use temp music we used temp music, and the music was kind of an interesting. Uh, there was a, an interesting evolution with the music. So sometimes, uh, and I think I'm like most editors, you know, you can see a scene or you can see a, the movie, and you can hear the music in your head, and you can start cutting temp music on your own. This one I had a, a little trouble with. I couldn't quite get it. Um, and this was early on, you know, when we're just putting the assembly. They're still shooting and everything like that. But it's always you're always thinking about it, except for the source cues. Of course, that was going to be no problem. But uh, Mindy Elliot, I think she either cut this music in or 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 gave it to me to cut in. But she used the Swingle Singers, which was the chorus, the Christmas music. She gave it to me for a scene, and I I was like, oh, this is funny and this is fun. And so it actually became. And then we really went for it after a screening. We got feedback that people liked the Christmas music. We were like, well, let's go for it. So that's why we have, you know, the Von Trapp family and their singing and, and the swingles. And then we have other, you know, I'm, yeah. And so it became a, a theme. The Christmas music became something we embraced as opposed to not using it or not using it a lot. How does it feel to you knowing that this is already being regarded as a new holiday classic by people? Well, I think that's really great. You know, I haven't actually heard that, but that's great to hear. So I hope so. I mean, I think that would be wonderful. I think it would be wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I've been definitely hearing that people have been enjoying it, which is just terrific. So, um, you know, that's lovely. You can't ask for anything better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I mean, 
to have your movie be embraced and loved, I think that's always a great thing. It's the greatest. And I'm curious to know too, for you, because this movie deals so much with Paul being uh, a father figure, a mentor um, to Tully and curious to know, like who was your mentor uh, in either your career or uh, in just in life in general, someone that you looked up to? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. Um, well, as far as career and editing goes, I would say Richie Marks, who was a, you know, an amazing editor. And he was actually Alexander's instructor at um, UCLA. And he came to see our, our very early cut of Citizen Ruth. And I was kind of mortified <laughs> that, you know, the Richie Marks was going to come to our cutting room. But he he was such a gentleman. And right away, he sat down next to me at, we were at a chem and he, and he said, I think Alexander had stepped out for a second and he's, and he was so respectful. And he just said, are you okay with me being here? And I was like, yes, of course. Uh, yes, please. You know? And, uh, it was really a, a very, I, I'll never forget it. It really meant a lot to me, but I've had so many mentors and so many people have, you know, you know, I'm a very lucky person, including my parents and, you know, um, and other instructors and things like that. So I have so many. Yeah. Uh, I know that from working on editing pieces myself and some short films way back when, um, I know that you spend an obscene amount of time uh, with this material and this footage. No one has seen the film more times than you in this case. Um, So I'm curious to know, even after hundreds, maybe thousands, I have no idea how many times that you have seen the footage, seen the film. Is there still a moment in the movie that you forget your own work and that you just get lost in it and it it captures you? Yeah. You know, um, when we had the premiere, I hadn't seen the movies, you know, since maybe we looked at it at the DI stage, probably in January of last year. So it really was fresh to me to watch it. And yeah, there were some moments that were so moving and good. You know, I, I mostly was just so impressed with the performances because they were so strong and so good. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a shock. And then, of course, there were things I remembered. I was like, ah. We should have done that on that cut, or we should have done. We should have added a few frames to that. And there's a few, few of those moments that go by too. But mostly, I was just really so impressed with Paul's performance and um, and Dom's performance. They were mm-hmm. just so good, and Mary's. I mean, and and Divine's. They were yeah, all yeah, yeah. so good. So I agree. I think they captured these characters beautifully and told really. Uh, a really heartwarming story at its core. Uh, one, like I said, is getting a lot of positive reception for your work included as well. I think that in this day and age, especially where a lot of editing is noticed for um, how uh, exhilarating it can be and how right. uh, how many cuts there are and like things like very flashy. I, I think your work here is actually something that is extremely underrated and uh, definitely valued because it really does help to put the audience at ease and help them really, I think, lean in into the story and right. into the characters. Right. Well, again, well put. <laughs> I hope that you, and I and I hope everything you're saying is true. I think it is. I think you know, we we tried to show restraint while we were cutting. And like I said, we try not to cut much. And you know, that's that's challenging to try to figure out everything without it's uh, sometimes more difficult. But uh but you know, we're very it's just 
That was very well put. I wish I would have said it. You should speak for me. <laughs> I should, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll absolutely. Come to I'll be at your next Q&A. Don't you worry. <laughs> yes, that would be good. I'll just go ask Matthew. He'll know what to say. <laughs> All right. Well, as we come to the end here, I'm curious to know, what can we look forward to seeing from you next in the future, if you're allowed to say that is? Well, I, I have nothing in the works right now. I hope to work with Alexander again when he gets his next thing going. And uh, yeah, uh, stay tuned, I guess. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you once again so, so much. Uh, your work here, like I said, is a crucial part to the film's success. And the film is definitely being really well received right now from critics and audiences. And my hope is also uh, from Academy members as well. So thank you once again for your time here. Thank you, Matthew. And you can speak for me anytime. <laughs> All right. You have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the star from the new film The Holdovers, Paul Giamatti, followed by Dale Howitt's interview with the two other stars from the film, Divine Joy Randolph and Dominic Sessa, and then my interview with the film's editor, Kevin Tent. The Holdovers is up for your consideration in all eligible categories at this year's Academy Awards, including Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Film Editing, and Best Picture. The film is now available to stream on Peacock. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.